Welcome. Um, let's sing together number 737. 737. And for all of this music, if you feel like standing, please do. If you'd like to remain seated, that is also fine. Good morning. Welcome to Eastern Mennonite Seminary Chapel Worship. Welcome to those of you gathered here in person in Martin Chapel, and welcome to those of you joining virtually. Sisters, brothers, cousins, beloved of God. May you experience grace and peace as we worship God together this morning. Breathe on us, breath of God. Today is bittersweet because it is our last chapel service of the semester. 
And we are also gathered together to honor and to celebrate with Kevin Clark, who is retiring after 24 years of ministry teaching here at Eastern Mennonite Seminary. Kevin has provided spiritual direction to and nurtured the spiritual formation of countless students and colleagues during his time here at EMS, including me. Thank you, Kevin. At the conclusion of today's worship service, all are invited to a celebration luncheon um, in the seminary gathering area. Um, at that time, each of us will have the opportunity to thank Kevin for the ways that he has touched our lives over the years. Um, our chapel worship service today will be a rhythm of songs, prayer, and contemplative silence. To begin, I would like to invite our seminary dean, Daniel Ott, to come share some opening remarks, followed by seminary student, Jen Parsons, who will be sharing a blessing to call us to worship. Grace to you and peace. Uh, Kevin, I'm just going to bring uh, brief official remarks, so I hope we get some pithy stories uh, during lunch. Um, uh, but on behalf of the whole seminary community, I wanted to uh, thank you uh, uh, deeply uh, for your 24 years of service to Eastern Mennonite Seminary, for your roles as uh, campus pastor, professor of spiritual direction, and uh, ministry formation. Um, you actually uh, have fulfilled many more roles than that, I'm, I'm well aware. Uh, teaching spiritual direction, modeling spiritual practice and presence, being present with students as pastor and mentor, and being a, a good colleague. Um, one of the things that I'm well aware of is that as I came into this role looking at alumni surveys, one of the things that our alumni tell us is that uh, they're deeply appreciative of being uh, prepared for ministry, not only academically, uh, but spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. And I think you have been a, a huge part of that uh, story here at EMS, and so we're grateful for that. So I won't go on uh, any longer. Blessings on you uh, in your new season of ministry and life. And um, you can't have it yet. Uh, because it has to adorn our uh, <laughs> space here for the rest of the, but this uh, plant is uh, an offering of our appreciation, so. Good morning. I'm going to read Beloved is Where We Begin by Jan Richardson. If you would enter into the wilderness, do not begin without a blessing. Do not leave without hearing who you are, beloved, named by the one who has traveled this path before you. Do not go without letting it echo into your ears, and if you find it is hard to let it into your heart, do not despair. 
That is what this journey is for. I cannot promise that this blessing will free you from danger, from fear, from hunger or thirst or the scorching of the sun or even from the fall of night. But I can tell you that on this path, there will be help. I can tell you that on this way, there will be rest. And I can tell you that you will know the strange graces that come to our aid only on a road such as this, that fly to meet us bearing comfort and strength, that come alongside us for no other cause than to lean themselves towards our ear and with their curious insistence, they whisper our name, beloved, beloved, beloved. Let's worship together in song with number 531. And let's do verses one, two, and four.
Number 43, verses 1, 2, 4, and As we continue our time of worship this morning, we will turn to a prayer from Paul's letter to the churches of Ephesus. This prayer speaks of God's immeasurable love and power that is greater than we can ever imagine. Today, we will be reflecting on this passage using the practice of Lectio Divina. We will hear this passage read three times by different readers. First, by Kenton Durstein. Durstein. We'll read from the NRSV Catholic edition. Second, our beloved Kevin Clark. Will, who will also share how this text has shaped his years of ministry. And third, Carrie Wanger will read from the message translation. After the third reading of the prayer, I will invite us to enter an extended time of contemplative silence, 
holding the space to share reflections that emerge from the silence. The practice of Lectio Divina invites us to listen to the same passage from different translations and perspectives, allowing us to hear the text in new ways and enriching our ways each time. As we listen to this prayer read, I invite you to pay attention to the words and phrases that stand out to you and open your heart and your mind to the movement of the Holy Spirit. May this time of contemplative prayer be a time of deepening our relationship with God and opening ourselves to the immeasurable love and grace that God offers each of us. Let us begin our first reading of Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Kenton? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever ever. Amen. For this reason, I place myself before God of all creation, from whom every family in heaven and on earth 
takes its name. I pray that out of God's glorious riches, that God may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all people to comprehend how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, to God be the glory, in community open to embrace this love, and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Interlude. Before I do, I just want to introduce my wife, Susan, and she could share some of those pithy stories about me, but, so ask her, but it's a gift for her to be here. So somewhere early on my journey at Eastern Mennonite Seminary, this prayer captured my imagination in ways I could not anticipate. Finding, its way in, finding my way into its poetic rhythm has become a formational invitation in many ways that has rooted and grounded my life. I also know that the vocational opportunity to be engaged here at Eastern Mennonite Seminary over the years has allowed me to follow a sense of my own inner call through the many opportunities which form and informed my life and those around me. The practice of listening that is evoked in this prayer is profound. So just several thoughts along this journey. This, this prayer is this reflective or contemplative way of praying that seems to allow the mystery of God to open up in profound moments of awe. The nearness and the expansiveness of this prayer and its intentionality to invite and to notice the Temenos space when it's there, running around us, or this Kairos moments that kind of emerge when you're in the midst of this prayer, or in the midst of worship, or as some of you students know, in the midst of my class when I get excited about this prayer and introductory to spiritual guidance or something. But it's this intentional listening and responding. Not just listening, but responding. This prayer comes as an invitation to engage in personal consciousness examine by asking me to pay attention to, or that is to comprehend, 
the ways I listen and respond to the love of Christ. Practicing this art of inner knowing, this Christ that dwells in your hearts, and this outer living to be established in love. It's all a part of this consolation and desolation that happens when it starts to do this consciousness examine within you, in me, excuse me, I won't speak for you. Because of this leading and living into the reality that's already there, this present transformation that's just permeating the prayer in our lives. And sometimes we just don't see it for what it is. But we're listening. As Jesus said, those who have ears to hear, listen. I try. Number three, there's this intentionality of emerging questions that come from this. Like, how is God at work within us? What are the discerning practices that offer ways of knowing and ways of asking the questions as communities? This love that informs and how God influences, not just what God has done, or what God is able to do, but this appropriation of this relationship and engaging a participation with the spirit is actually doing in various situations within the human community. And of course, all of creation. Lots of questions there. And that's the gift. Because the spirit's thinking with us as we're engaging. Number four, when I consider the context of this present world, I hope nobody looked at the news cycles today. Or maybe you did. Because this prayer kind of evokes these many existential questions that that we consider. And I sometimes think that what we consider as I watch the news cycle in my own life and those around me, that we experience the breadth and length and height and depth of human suffering hate and violence. But this prayer takes that and reframes it so that it's in a language that opens up something inside of us to comprehend how wide and how long and how deep and how high this love of Christ truly is in the midst. It doesn't suppress the worst of humanity but opens up that lament, that grief, into the awareness of God is already present. Grief is there, and grief reminds us that we're not there yet. Lament reminds us that we're not there yet. It opens up that pathway to pay attention to the Spirit at work within us, that intent of God for intimacy and inclusion. It moves into our imagination and provides a way that, could, that inspires creativity and the practice of love. What are you doing in seminary? You're learning the practice of love in so many different ways through so many different disciplines that just wrap our hearts and minds around what God is doing and evoking within us. This practice of love in the community of our diverse humanity in the image of God. And that is, in a sense, the fullness of God. But again, the quintessential question is, is am I able to comprehend the dynamics of this kind of love in in any given moment? 
Can you? It's at work. So I find myself coming back to this prayer and praying it, that I might know, that we might know this kind of love and the dynamics of this kind of love, which at the very heart is this intimacy that we are afraid of sometimes, but draws us into it. So I pray. It comes back around. And maybe I should just kind of for a moment, bear with me, we're still on the interlude, contextualize this prayer. I mean, after all, it was a first century educated Jewish male blinded by a conversion experience who is writing something deep and mystical in reality of what Paul experienced and what he's offering for us to experience. So maybe it just has something also to do with its literary bridge in the structure of the letter. With the intent to push out the mystery that came before it to what is to follow in terms of what it means to live together. So Paul becomes this spiritual uh, guide into this mystery. So the bridge effect has this, and I just want to place it in there because I think it's important, that the whole first number of chapters evokes this God initiative in loving intent in Christ. And many of you heard me say this before, that the first 14 verses are one long sentence, and I challenge you to read them all with holding it with one breath. It is just profound. Maybe you should ask the Greek scholars here how that's possible. <laughs> Maybe that's why, anyway. <laughs> so Paul's prayer is, is bringing us together in this loving intent. And then he gathers us into this, as he gathers this prayer, this is the prayer. He, he moves us into this revealed mystery of grace and the loving reality of, of God at work and God's deep passion and desire for us. And then the latter part of this letter written by Paul is our response, our collaboration in living into the collective grace, both individually and together. Now, disclaimer here, the second half of the letter is somewhat first century cultural awareness and a way for that church to care for the love that was being formed within them in the midst of deep divisions and unjust structures. And I think it continues to push at those unjust structures within our culture today, within our society today, within our church today, if we pay attention to its work. So Paul prays, moving on, that we have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that our eyes of our hearts be enlightened, that we might know in embodied ways this power that has worked within us, the same power which was in Christ, this vindicated love that opens us up in wonderful ways. And he finally ends up by saying that we are God's 
poema. I simply want to ask you, what does your poem read like? Mine's a dirge sometimes. But nonetheless, there's this poetic influence in this understanding of how God is bringing you together. The beautiful poetry that we heard earlier, it invited us in. That's the gift of what God is about doing. And then he says something about the grace of reconciliation, tearing down the walls between us. The Spirit's intuitive force that emerges in new ways of understanding our humanity and our community. And the purpose of this grace at the very core is our living in a timeless structure of love. Learning to participate in an unfolding reality. Do you see it? Do you dream it? Does it merge up within you when you watch the news or when you're with your family? Do you want something different that is rooted in a, in a, in a love that is timeless? In the beauty of all our diversity, in the beauty of all of who we are. But as much as we are individualistically differentiated against this structure, the algorithm of our lives is being written every day as we pick up our cell phones and invites us in. But remember that we are being built together as a spiritual dwelling place. So God is dwelling right here and right now. Do you notice God? Where do you notice God? As we continue the Lectio Divina, where do you notice God at work and at play within your life? I'm going to end here because I would love to tease apart the language, <laughs> the connections between the phrases, pushing the words into new appreciation and comprehension, but you would miss the present prayerful intent. So for this reason, we will continue. I would like to have a fourth reading, if that's okay, and go back to what I had read earlier before we move to the final. For this reason, I place myself before God of all creation, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of God's glorious riches, that God may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all people to comprehend how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure, to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that is work within us, to God be the glory and community open to embracing this love 
and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. So let it be. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory down all the generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We will now enter into a time of contemplative silence. This is a time for us to be still, 
to rest in the presence of God, to listen for the movement of the Spirit among us and within us, and to reflect on the prayer from Ephesians. I invite you to embrace the silence for the next 15 minutes, trusting in the movement of the Spirit among us and within us. It's understandable that sitting in silence can feel awkward or uncomfortable. But let us lean into the discomfort and allow it to deepen our connection with God and with each other. As we sit in silence, you may feel the spirit moving within you, prompting you to offer ministry, share a reflection, a poem, or a song with the community. If you do feel led to speak, I invite you to come to one of the microphones, this one here, or there's two set up in the room, um, to speak briefly and with respect for the silence and the sacred space that we have created together. Please keep in mind that this is not a time for tributes about Kevin. We will have an opportunity to share those at the lunch later. Um, rather, this is a time to speak about what emerges within you from the sharing of this prayer together. So let us now enter into this time of contemplative silence, trusting in the movement of the spirit within us. Our Kevin Clark, dear friend, colleague, mentor, teacher, brother in Christ, and for all gathered here in person and online, it has been good to gather together for worship, for reflection, for contemplation, and blessing. I invite you to join me in prayer. Holy God, as we bow our knees before us, 
or bow our knees before you. I'll start again. Holy God, as we bow our knees before you, I pray that you will grant us strength in your inner being and power through the Spirit, and that Christ will dwell in our hearts through faith. As we are being rooted and grounded in love, And I pray that we may have the power to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that we may be filled with all of your fullness. Amen. And now a benediction. I think there is a final hymn. A benediction before the final hymn. Now to him who by the power of work at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.